Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, everybody. It's Farm to the Show. I'm Chris Diggerson, joined by you-know-who, Mr. Paul Yanish, former teammate, best buddy, and lover of all things crossword, Tex-Mex, and a man who is deep as the ocean. Paul, it's a new week. It's a new day, and there's a lot going on around baseball right now. Yeah, a lot of action, Dickie. What's up, man? How's your, you, bro. how's your Monday going so far? It's Monday's early. Yep. Monday's above average so far. So far, we, there's still some Monday left, but we're, we're above average so far. Good. So what do we got going? We, you know, we got, we're going to be, we're going to be all over the place. Uh, but first we're we got to start with, we're going to start with the Rojos. We've lost yep. six in a row. It's looking bleak over there. Um, not a, not a whole lot of good news coming out of, out of Cincinnati right now. Uh, set an all time low uh, in attendance last week with, I believe what was, uh, I think I don't even know the number. I just I'm going to refrain from even mentioning it because it'd be too sad. Uh, the only thing I can think of, it couldn't be any worse than that double header we played against uh, Miami that one year when we had 17 people in the stands. We could hear everything that the bullpen was saying. But, yeah, it's dire times over there. However, Hunter Green, my boy Hunter, getting the extension. Um, that's good to see. I'm, 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 um, I think we're all glad to see that he is, he's become the pitcher that we, that we all wanted him to be and that the Reds have seen the long-term, the long-term impact and the, the, the plans to keep him around for quite some time, but to make that impression after having a, you know, a breakout year last year and solidifying, uh, his, uh, him being the, the, the go-to guy and the player that they're going to continue to build this franchise around. Yeah, no, it's it, big time for Hunter. Congratulations to him, number one. Um, the team right now is struggling. You know, offensively, they're not they're not scoring runs with much consistency. You know, the rotation as a whole has hasn't been great of late. Um, that being said, it, you know they they have run into some stiff competition. Obviously, Pittsburgh's playing good. They're at the top of the division right now. You know, they they ran through the Braves, like we talked about the Phillies. Those are good teams. That that being said. Uh, as a unit, they're struggling. You know, they're they're moving some guys around. You know, the Barrero kid's playing short. He's playing center. They got Senzel back. He's playing right field. My point in bringing some of that up is that there's not much certainty with regards to who's going to be where and when. And and you know, on a on a day to day basis, that's tough coming to the yard. Not sure who's going to be where. Not sure where you're going to be hitting. You know, and if we're being totally transparent. There, there's there's some auditioning going on right like this in particular on the position player side and that's just part of it we knew what we were going to get there and so you know hopefully some guys can take advantage of some opportunities you know it's still cold up there in Cincy I know that and 
So hopefully as the weather starts to get better, some guys will get hot and they'll, they'll get going in the right direction. But um, I, I will say with, with regards to Hunter, the ability speaks for itself, man. I, I think it's really good to see the organization embracing a character guy that's that's going to it's gonna be a big part of the community. Obviously on the field, he's going to play a large role. But I, I think there's a lot to, to be said for why he was probably what's probably going to end up being the first of a few of those young guys to kind of get locked in for a few years. I don't know if, if they're going to go more pitcher with Lodolo next. I don't know if we're going to switch to maybe a position player with India. You know, there, there's some options there, but I think it says a lot about Hunter and what the organization thinks about him, not just now, but into the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's nice to be um, solidified, I think, as, as hard as Hunter's worked. Um, like you said, that being a, a huge characteristic as well as that is that off the field, um, knowing that you're going to be signing not just a great player, but a, a great person. And like you said, it's going to be one of the first chips to fall as they look to to extend some of these guys and, and get this core together to, to continue to build on. On the other side of things, I think you can agree with me that the mental toll that this auditioning takes is very, very difficult. When you show up and you're a young player just trying to break in and not knowing where you're going to be. It's a it's incredible. I you know, being in that in that position when you show up, it's like the opportunities that you do get, you're going to put way more pressure on yourself knowing that somebody's going to be nipping at your heels and that that day you, you don't perform, there's going to be another guy in there. And you know, I've always said it, we've said it to each other and I remember talking to Lance Nix back in the day when you have to go into a spring training and do that auditioning and you got to be out there prepared to 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 go 150% and run through a wall. Like it, you know, it beca- it's exhausting and it's a part of the game. But when you have that ability where they just, you know, the organization can come up and be like, hey, this is this is your, this is yours. You go out there and do your thing like that is a huge mental load off um, when you know that you're going to go out there, you're going to do your best. But at the end of the day, like they're going to give you your chances rather than it kind of being a roulette and open, you know, a revolving door that as soon as you go for over, you're going to be looking over your shoulder. So it's it's definitely difficult uh, what's happening over there, and I, I hope they can can get it figured out. And at the end of the day, I think this is all a learning experience for a lot of those a lot of those young guys. Yeah, yeah. which long term is is probably gonna we'll look back and it'll be it'll be productive. But but during in the midst of it, it, it can be frustrating for the fans for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know how it is. It's uh, you know these. You know, fans, uh, they lean and they, you know, kind of uh, they they gravitate towards towards certain players that they think that should be there. And when they're not in there, you know, it just kind of it, it causes, um, you know, it definitely causes some angst when you're throwing out a different lineup every day. And you just, you know, we mentioned at the first show we started we started doing this is it's, it's going to be about consistency. It's about showing up putting, you know, putting in the work, but at least competing on a consistent basis. But when you're throwing out a different lineup and kind of playing mix and match, that becomes, it becomes very difficult. Yeah, for sure. Um, And, you know, and like you said, it's, you know, we're not making excuses, but you know, they're, they've run into some teams that are playing really good baseball. You have the, you know, the defending, defending champs in the Phillies going to Atlanta, you know, a former world series, uh, champions and then going in and then Pittsburgh coming to town fresh off a just straight ass beating in Colorado. I, I got to attend both the two, two of those games in, um, in Colorado and you know, the team they're they're no joke. Um, they're playing really good baseball, uh, not just at the top of the division. They have the, sec- the second best record in baseball right now, yeah. uh, right behind, right behind the Rays at 19 and three. 
Hey, Dickie, now, tell me, what, what do we got on the first pitch in Colorado? Can you give me a little background there? Buddy. We got my, my buddy Chris Dickerson threw out the first pitch. Doesn't look like he's been doing much arm care of late, but that's okay. But how do we get on the field throwing out the first pitch? Well, you know, it's Earth Day. It's Earth Week. And so me being a man of the environment and mm -hmm. the saving of this planet, uh, you know, it was uh, something to commemorate uh, the, the Rockies' work, uh, environmental work. We were fortunate enough to get a, a, have a check presentation um, uh, check presentation on the field and me being, you know, the lone, uh, professional, uh, baseball player in the, uh, in the group, uh, I was, uh, elected to, to take the first, a former, um, but seeing that Brent Suter is one of our, uh, players for the plan ambassadors, we thought the Rockies thought it would only be fitting that I throw the first pitch to Brent. And I tell you what, with not a whole lot of warm up uh, and uh, a 30, 30 foot toss, granted, there wasn't a whole lot of people there. Uh, but you know, I've never been one to baby the ball. So I, I, I certainly had to, you know, I certainly had to let it go. You know, I, I, yeah, I had to let it right. go a little bit. And, uh, the cameraman, if we're gonna have to, if you look at the uh, replay, he's right on the dish. I mean, the guy's like towing the line as it's being made. And, uh, you know, it was, it was good. It was my first, first, first pitch experience. I almost put the camera guy in the, uh, on the IL, uh, but it was a short throw. They wouldn't let me go from the rubber. And I kind of been hyped up by all the players the day before, you know, Kutch said, I won't accept anything less than less than 90 miles per hour. Mm. So it was sheerly, sheerly disappointed in that, in that regard. But, you know, it was it was all all, all around great. All or, you know, yeah. great time. Great time. It couldn't happen to a better guy. Um, but I but tell you what, Paul, if you haven't done a first pitch, they I don't know if they like this at all parks but they gave me a uh, one of those vinyl baseballs you know like the you oh, know like a, yeah. one of those cheap and so the the idea was it says ceremonial first pitch on it and they give you a little case for it i'm like right. hey you know what i'm gonna be honest with you i'm not throwing that ball because someone's someone's gonna get hurt all it takes a little Wait, bit moisture that thing is gonna is, that thing's like throwing up a, a pool cue what an ironic segue into you all you needed was a little rosin and some sweat that's all that's all I needed it was you know it was about you know 60 degrees but I was a little bit nervous so I did have a little bit of I did have a little bit of moisture they're they're putting down the uh you know they're still kind of you know maintenancing the home plate area they hadn't put the rosin bag down yet and uh you know I could have used a little bit a little bit of Scherzer and yeah. perhaps perhaps it would have you know I wouldn't have buzzed uh the, the cameraman up and in but you know, I, I could have maybe could have used some spider tack or some maybe uh, some rosin, some sweat, or even some uh, what was that stuff with the banana boat spray? Yeah, the, the sun, the sunscreen. But I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking sweat and rosin. As long as you didn't have uh, Phil Cuzzy checking you when you were exiting the field, you probably have been okay. But um, let, let, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the Scherzer situation. Obviously, we're making light of it, but um, it's kind of come and win. It, he's he's since obviously received a ten game since ten game suspension to you know, a future Hall of Famer, and there's some – I think it makes sense for us to touch on some of the specifics of, of what exactly went down. And, you know, at the end of the day, Max is, you know, to his credit, has been very upfront and, and, and available. And it, it sounds to me from the outside looking in that, you know, I, it, it's hard for me to believe that, you know, based on what transpired, first of all, the ejection, number one, and then and then second of all, the 10-game suspension, which I get is is standard – with an ejection under those circumstances, but t tell me, tell me your opinion on, on, on what you heard happen. So from my understanding, when this first all came about is that it seems to me that what I, what I didn't understand, what I have an issue with is, is the fact that they're leading with sweat and rosin, which is 
as which is the is the original tack is 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 oldest time where you get into the legal right there's it's 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 legal that's that's why we put a rosin bag out there so if we're talking about sweat and rosin then trust me Scherzer ain't going to be the first person to fall you know we're going to get into july and july and in august and you're out in atlanta in those months that's the only thing you're gonna that you got going you know you're gonna be sweating and you know those days it's like we're playing in the Florida State League and you're sitting out in the outfield and sweat is literally dripping off your fingers. And as position players, we're going out there. And I'm, I tell you, everybody out there, when when we go out there, when it's that hot and it's that humid, there is a rosin bag for position players as well. Yep. Guys will come out. You put it. I know you did the same thing. You put it right above your glove on the inside because, you know, when it's when it, there's a ball hit. You're gonna to have to be. You're gonna to have to be prepared. So that's the only thing that I have a problem is in the media. It's being led with sweat and rosin, which should not be the case. But I'm interested as to what the details are and what the how far into the investigation it went to if it was determined that it was in fact a foreign substance. Because uh-huh. I haven't heard, we haven't heard anything about a foreign substance if that being spider tack or going oh. to the next level, which we know is doing the extra trick with the little banana boat, little banana boat with rosin. Now that stuff can get, that can stuff can get gnarly taking a shower after the game. You're not getting that stuff off. Yeah. hundred percent. Like I remember to your point about using the rosin, even as a position player for my glove hand and the, it gets so sticky that by the end of the game, like literally my glove is stuck to my hand, which is the, the, the point. Right. But and you're right. Like it, it, it goes to post game. Like when you are physically using like rubbing alcohol to get the stuff off your hand, which so going back to Scherzer, this is what I don't understand. Uh, you know, at least based on what I read, allegedly, you know, they tell him during one of the encounters post inning, Hey man, it's, it's, it's a little too much, or maybe there's some resemblance of something being too sticky. They actually made him change his glove to my understanding, which he did when he came back out underneath in the dugout he physically washed his hands with alcohol in front of a major league official who witnessed him do this he goes back out into the field the next inning to pitch and then after that inning is when you know the umpires had the interaction with phil cousy and and they eject him from the game so all of those that 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 chain of events there lead me to make it very difficult for me to believe Max is going to intentionally do something. Max is a very intelligent guy, right? He, he was, he was already in front of a major league official. He washed his hands to what I would assume satisfied the major league official goes back out onto the field. And then, you know, my next question is, which I assume is at the discretion of the umpire, but what is too much sticky? If, if all he has on, is he's sweating obviously and then using the rosin bag which we know creates some, some tack some stick but what, what is too much like I, you know it's, it's a very difficult thing to put at the discretion of the umpire and, and i have nothing against phil cuzzy but it's ironic that he's the only umpire who's ever ejected a pitcher for having his hand be too sticky and it's happened three times so I, you know you're putting the umpires in a weird spot i think I, I, you're putting the players obviously in a, in a weird spot max has been doing the same thing I, I, to my understanding for the last couple of years relative to this, since this rule has been, been put in place and he gets checked after every, every inning. It's just hard for me to believe, man. You, you were talking about one of the best pitchers in baseball, going to be a hall of famer. And I, I just, I, I just can't, I, I don't know that I can get on board with this. I think, I think major league baseball has got to do something to make it a little bit, a, a, a little bit more discerning, whether that's, you know, they can, they can track real time, you know, the spin rate of everybody's pitches and maybe they have a range for what your spin rate is. And if it gets out of that range, now we gotta, we gotta address something. 
I, I don't know. My, my point is it's hard for me to understand how Max gets ejected under those circumstances, but it, it is what it is. The rules are the rules. Which certainly isn't a metric that umpires are getting in real time either. It's not like they don't have like a track man. This is not being forwarded. This is not being observed um, in the war room um, in New York. It's not like they have the, the track man data um, showing that he's having an increased uh, RPM for that particular game. Yep. And then going to the glove. If we're talking about sweat and rosin, and we're going after a glove. Trust me, you're not having sweat and rosin in a glove. There's no sweat on your glove. So if there's a foreign substance, that's a lot different. And so what exactly was in that glove? They made him change the glove. They brought it out. Then they suspended him again. So was it the glove or was it his hand? Because if we're talking about the glove, then we're talking about a foreign substance. But the way it's being led is that his hand was too sticky. Yeah, and I think that's right. I think it's ultimately that it's his hand. I think that the glove thing was maybe a precautionary deal. Again, I don't want to put too much into that. I don't know exactly what happened with with regards to the glove other than I'm pretty certain that Max switched gloves, I think, in an effort to say, like, what else do you want me to do kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I just think Major League Baseball has got a little bit of an issue there on their hands. I know there's been some talk about – trying to create a, uh, ba- a baseballs that already have a, a, a tack to them, like a, a, an element of stick to them. I know they use – I think they use a ball like that in Japan right now. Oh, really? Or the, I, I think that they – Well, it's like they a do. different – it's a different mud. Well, that, you know, that kind of takes me back to the point is, you know, talking about the difference between that vinyl or a brand-new pearl yep. and um, a brand-new MLB pearl. I mean, when you get that, it's no different. The first thing that a player does is – is what do you what do you do paul you get a pearl you spit dirt rub it up you rub it up and that's what they have there's a reason that these balls are rubbed up is to is to offer that tack because you simply can't go out there throwing brand new baseballs it just doesn't happen so that's what they were saying and that's was the whole controversy of the last couple years is spider tack and the balls are changed they're just not grippy and you know we can't afford and we really can't afford the guys how how hard these guys are throwing we simply can't afford the ball to be getting away when these guys are throwing hundred miles per hour. So, you know, there's advantages from a safety precaution, but also from a performance issue is that these guys don't need any more help uh, than they're, than they don't need any more help. I mean, these guys, sure. the stuff that these guys have these days is ridiculous, but um, so, you know, they, they're going to have to figure it out because that, that trick is as old as time. And if we're shutting that down, we're going to have, we're going to have real issues. And then we're going to be right back in the same space again over this 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 constant conflict over the over the balls if it's not the spider tack then it's the it's the new seams and if it's not the seams then it's the grip and if we bring in like another another tacky substance from japan you know this is going to continue to be an issue um yeah we'll see how we'll see how it works itself out i just i I think it's unfortunate that that um that occurrence and you're talking about a a New York Mets team, which uh, obviously every Max Scherzer start for them is significant and valuable. He's getting paid a bunch of money to to, to pitch for the Mets, and he's going to have to miss two starts now as a result of you know, in theory, of something that probably could be could have been avoided. Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, moving on, we have a hey, special. What about, hey, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. Well, I think you're about to segue into something something else, but go ahead, Paul. Well, I was going to ask the the Cali guy. I was going to ask the Cali guy how he feels about the Oakland A's maybe not being in Cali. Oh, man, you know what? Um, 
You know, I, I think I think it's I think it's sad. I, I, I'm not sure exactly where we're at. And I'll listen, I'll, I'll take you through this last year. So part of the stadium, it's not just the it's not just the the amount of paperwork and the 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 agreements with the with the city and, um, you know, the, the city hall, um, you know, the mayor's office. There are so many things that go into the approval for a new stadium, but not just the approval for a new stadium. It's just getting the plans made and the proposals that go into making a stadium um, to getting a new stadium. And so last year there was a big move made on Oakland's part when they were cleared for what is called their, um, their environmental, their environmental uh, oversight. And it's a 1200 page document for this new stadium. And when that is proposed, it's basically, that is one of the key elements in the proposal to getting, you know, to basically getting that that check that checkbox to move forward with a new stadium in Oakland. They came out with the renderings uh, about three years ago, and they're unbelievable, absolutely outstanding, real right on the pier. And if you've been to Oakland, there's a lot of open space around there, very similar to what the the Golden State Warriors did, and utilizing some of that empty dock space and having this this beautiful background. And so people were really excited, and as they should be, because I don't think anybody wants to see the team leave Oakland. If you know Oakland and you've been to games, when they're doing well, there's not a better sports city with across the bay and having that rivalry with the Giants and A's, um, having the 49ers, the Warriors. It is, it's a very unique place, and it's some of the best fans, most dedicated fans, because even through the dark times, you know, they continue to go out and like the true diehard Oakland fans. Um, I have enormous respect and I'm also biased because my cousin is, is from Oakland and is one of the biggest Bay Area sports fan fanatics uh, there is. Um, and he's the type of guy who would, you know, you know, when he was in law school, he would take his buddies, you know, three dollar hot dogs and just, you know, and just enjoy being at the Coliseum. What's the most disappointing on my end and for you also is that place sucks. That place is <laughs> that place is awful. It's the worst ballpark in baseball. And I think it's at the point where they really haven't helped themselves much. And I think that's the only thing that I can't, I can't get on. I can't get on board. I can't just, I can't back that up. I can't personally justify that because they really have done nothing to help their cause. They've put bad product on the field. They haven't done anything to that stadium. Um, There is very similar tensions between ownership and the fans that's happening in Cincinnati right now, where we're just not, they're not investing the money. Great American ballpark got a huge facelift going into all-star but the A's do not have that type of luxury. And when I go, you know, when I go there, I was fortunate enough to go there last year um, again to, to be on the field and go through the, and go through the facilities and just nothing has changed. And it's hard to imagine um, that that is something that, you know, you're not, you're simply not going to get free agents to sign there, you know, with those types yeah. of facilities, you need that type of boost to attract, to attract people. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, when Toronto turn, turn itself around, you know, you have the dome, it's not re- necessarily, a peach of a stadium, but they made a massive overhaul to the facilities, to the locker room. And that's when you started to see some free agents. And that was part of the, the ascent of Toronto. Um, but going to Vegas, I think it's, I think it's devastating for the city of Oakland um, as much as I want to see that, that organization succeed and to have a pro a proper stadium. I really think for the heart and soul of that city and what the A's mean to that, to that city, it's, it's, it's really disappointing. Um, and seeing that Vegas is just kind of buying up, it's almost like a, I feel like Oakland, I feel like Vegas is like a, like a venture cap firm and they're just going around just buying, you know, they're just going out buying, buying companies to put into their portfolio 
Um, it doesn't necessarily make sense that they just got a brand new AAA stadium. Um, you know, Paul, we played in that exhibition game uh, uh, years back sure. uh, at the old Cashman Field, and that was a you know that was a piece of crap as well. And they the they got a brand new stadium, AAA stadium. Um, so putting a big league stadium in there as well, I mean, that's there's a lot going on. Uh, you have the the Nashville Golden Knights. You got a hockey team. You just got the Raiders. You have a brand new baseball field. Now you're looking to get a you know an MLB team you have a 10-year contract with uh, Formula One where the strip is now going to be that is going to be a regular fixture uh, on the Formula One schedule which is a ton of money uh, huge huge money generator generator um, upwards of 350 million dollars for 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 a race Um, so it's it's tough, and you know, knowing that they got passed for that, it's uh, it's it, it's sad to see. And I, I sent you the article on on Reggie Jackson. And I just feel like it's it's incredibly uh, it's it's really sad that they're they're celebrating an incredible history. They won three World Series in a row in the seventies. Reggie Jackson being a part of that, and he was in an article ripping the organization as well as which he should, because it really hasn't changed much, um, and they really haven't done much to support the club that was, I believe that was last week. And to fast forward and be like, Hey, we have plans to leave. I I got a big problem with that. Yeah. You touched on it, but at the end of the day, man, it's, it's all based on the economics of, of a lot of the implications Vegas. I mean, that's right. Like it's from a, from an MLB standpoint, from a, the organization, like they're going to have just an immense amount of resources there. Obviously the stadium is going to be cutting edge, um, to your point about free agency and whether or not players are going to be willing to go there or not, that's going to be a complete game changer, right? Um, I assume with the move, there, you know, there, there's probably in some way, shape, or form some requirements to, you know, I- implement some making the team kind of be a little bit more intentional about being competitive with regards to their salary and you know, the team payroll and those kinds of things. Um, so it is unfortunate, kind of the ending of an error is what I would call it. I do agree with you. The, the, the stadium in Oakland stunk relative to even when we played and that, that, that you're, you're talking about a little while back. Right. And so now relative to some of the newer places, it's just a huge competitive dis- in there. And then from an advertising standpoint and all that stuff, it, it, it's all about the economics of the game and, and where it's going. But Side of that, it is kind of exciting to all of the stuff that you mentioned about Vegas. You know, it, Vegas is obviously a unique place in, in, in and of itself, but all of the stuff that's going on there, it, it, it the, a fan has to be pretty fired up about, you know, whether you are currently living in Vegas or whether you just want to travel somewhere and have a whole bunch of options in terms of things that you can do. It's, it's definitely going to put itself on the map with, from even from a national standpoint, with, with, with regards to what they bring to the table. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're talking about it as a, you know, the kind of the venture cap, kind of the portfolio. That's it's a great play um, on a business side. If you're if you're Las Vegas as a business, it's a great play where you the amount of tourists. It's one of the most rapidly growing cities in America. They have the population to where that they have the potential that get, that team will be adopted, the same way that Vegas, uh, the Golden Knights have. But also, it's part of that in- entertainment portfolio. You want hockey? We got hockey. You want you want playoff hockey? We have playoff hockey. You want uh, you want you want boxing? You want UFC? We got that. We got Major League Baseball. If you've never seen a baseball game, um, but Vegas and Nevada being a hot spot for baseball, there's no shortage of baseball fans um, in that particular city. 
So that works out great. And, and I'm not, you know, I'm not an engineer, but I, you know, I'd like to think that maybe it's not a zoning issue or it's about relocating the team elsewhere in Oakland. We did the same thing with Great American Ballpark. It's right on top of Riverfront and their highlights. If you, if you've seen it back in the day where Great American Ballpark was being built on the same, on the same site, um, while Riverfront, and they were simply just breaking it down by pieces. Uh, the same thing happened. Uh, the same thing happened with, I believe, um, I'm not sure if, well, that was one instance, but maybe it's, you know, maybe it is, it's just a, it's just a revamp of the stadium. I know the angels did the same thing with their old stadium. You know, it's basically yeah. on the same, same plate. They don't miss any games. It's just outside. Yeah. And while you keep, they don't have to necessarily displace the team like Toronto, you know, during COVID and being at the spring training complex, but you can build, you know, you can build outside and, and keep the, the the continuity of the season going. So again, I'm, I'm not an engineer. I'm simply just trying to find and wishing for solutions to keep that, that team in Oakland. Yeah. I think you might be able to look, bud. Yeah, I think so too. Unfortunately. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, hey, give me so some, we, give me some good news. Give me a, give me a cool story about good news. Good news. Uh, uh, the fabric, big, big league, the fabric of baseball, the fabric of baseball, as as Mr. Janish put put it last night, there is an interesting story coming out of Pittsburgh. Um, player Drew Maggi, he is a what you would call a lifer. Um, yep. And while we look at what a lifer is, I have to imagine it's, you know, eight plus nine plus years uh, in the minor leagues, uh, you know, a a so, premier uh, hitting coach by the name of Kevin Long is a was considered a, yeah. a lifer. Eleven years in the minor leagues, one of the arguably one of the yeah. best hitting coaches in all of baseball. It's just one of those things. And when I talk to Kevin, I think it's just like a pure a pure passion for baseball. Being around in the minor leagues for eleven years, but Drew Maggi, thirteen seasons in the minor yeah. leagues. He is thirty three years. Yeah. He is a 2010 draft, I believe, from he was an Arizona Diamondbacks pick. He was a 15th round pick. This is his 13th year. He is 33 years old and he is in double A, which is very uncharacteristic being that age and in double A of all places. But he recently got the call from a former, um, former, well, not necessarily a teammate. I don't know if you ever played with Calix Crab, but one of uh, we've, we've played against him in the minor leagues, former yeah. Brewer. He's a manager in Altoona. And he announced uh, to Drew the other day that he would finally be getting his opportunity to play in a major league baseball after toiling away in the minor leagues. Amazing, amazing story. And you can kind of, you can see the emotion where, you know what that first call is. Um, You know, I wasn't, I wasn't there for years. Uh, No, maybe I was, but the, the elation it it, it 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 colds you. It's 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 a breathless feeling where you you take that and it's just like a sigh of relief. Um, and you can see that in the video. But while it's amazing, I do have some questions. Yeah. Why is somebody still playing baseball after 13 years of the minors, and yeah. why is he getting called up from Double A hitting 190? So I, I'm not I'm not sure all. So we, Drew's got 3,800 minor league at bats. Okay, 254 career hitter, 46 taters, um, 355 RBIs, 222 stolen bases in the, at the minor league level. So I'm not sure relative to what the, you know, who got hurt in Pittsburgh or whatever the case is, or why he got picked or whatever. That being said, I am pretty fired up for him. I, I agree with you. Like that first call up is super cool. I mean, 
it's it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's spent that amount of time in the minor leagues and is now getting an opportunity. It's super, it's a euphoric experience when you're 20. For me, I was 25 and found out I was going to go to Cincinnati after playing a really good month and a half in Louisville for, to start the season. Um, but, but this is a different deal, man. Like you, you've, you've been grinding, you've been on buses, you've been, you know, the, the whole deal, man, for, for that period of time, and and who's to know what happened like i said in pittsburgh how long is he going to be there is it for a day is it for does it turn into a month is it does he show up and like lights out and turn into like a you know their utility guy i, I have no idea but you can't take it away from him dude I, I all i can hope now that we're talking about it is he does in fact get activated i know he got called up but we've both had friends that have been called up and not actually activated so Super fired up for him, man. I, I think it's to your point about the fabric of, of baseball. It's 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 a little bit of good and a business that can be pretty pretty brutal on guys at times. So super fired up for him, man. Him and his family, I think, have a lot to be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think it's something that was even expected. I I can I would have to imagine there's no he didn't get any wind of this. Like you and I, when based you're on the video based on the video with crap, like going through the whole story, I don't, I don't think he knew what was happening, dude. He had no, he had no idea. And I, I would have to imagine like when you're, when you're in, you know, you're at the precipice of, you know, of making that jump, you're going to be in three, a, you're going to be doing well. And that's, you know, you know, that there's a chance that you're always one injury away, or if you're, you know, if you're a prospect coming through, like, you know, like we were, it's just a matter about putting up the numbers and then just simply just waiting to get your shot. This one, I feel like was just completely out of left field that it's yeah. very rare. Number one, to get, to get called up from double a, unless you're, you know, unless you're a prospect, I think uh, the kid from yeah. Uh, yeah. Arizona, the, yeah. Uh, in arm, you know, late, but, you know, bullpen, you know, probably just to, to eat some couple, a couple innings at the, at the end of the game or particular in a place where the, the pitching staff has just been hammered and they just need an emergency guy. But when you're hitting 190 in double A, I don't think that's on my radar. I think I'm just down there just playing baseball, showing up to the yard, just having a good time and just doing what I do. But this is, <laughs> I gotta admit, I gotta imagine this was out of, this was out of left field. Um, you know, it'd be one thing if he was hitting 300 with, with, with 10 homers and, you know, he's playing well, but even then I'm not, you know, where I think I'm going to go if I'm balling out in double a, I'm not going to the big leagues. I'm just looking to get to Indianapolis and, you know, That's at right. least get to triple a yep. where at least I know I'm again, I'm one step closer, but come that's uh it's, it's certainly in, it's an interesting story, but like you said, yep. you have to be happy for him. The, uh, the elation and the, the relief, of toiling away for that long to at least get an opportunity. Um, I'm not sure. Like you I'm said, I'm not sure what the, what the now that 100% you it, I bet just, you, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I bet you there's some guys in Indianapolis trying to figure out what's going on too. <laughs> that's all. That's also, that's a, that's a really good point too. I mean, that's probably raising some eyebrows in, in Indianapolis. If you're a, if you're an infielder, you're probably going, yo, I'm, you know, I'm leading the league in doubles right now. What's what's happening? So I think there's a lot of question marks popping up over there. I personally want to know from a, from a from a strategic point if I'm the Pirates and we're playing so well, right? You know, we got second second best record in all of baseball. Why we don't? Why we're not going down into the minor leagues to get a prospect to fill that in? But why do we go 
Is it they're, out of, they, you know, they're, is they're, it, they're, they're and I can't imagine it's way too early league. in the year. Maybe in September, maybe in September, it's like, hey, this guy's. It is. It is. Maybe this is maybe it's just me. Maybe this is just part of their their strategy right now. It's like, hey, let's just get the kid who had absolutely no idea what's happening. You know, let's just let's just give him a shot. You know, we're yeah, playing good baseball. Re- let's just pull him into the fold and hope he just he just balls out. We got all the good juju going on up here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm, I might have to get some inside info um, from them. But, uh, yeah, very, knowing, very curious knowing, situation. Knowing Kutch the way the way we do, I, I imagine he's probably going to probably gonna take care of uh, of Drew and make, make sure his experience is good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I can I can definitely see – I can see that. He, Kutch is going to be the first one to greet him, uh, ask him if he needs anything. He's probably going to give him the walk around, make sure that, that he's comfortable, he has everything, and um, – you know, and I think they just have they have some good veterans in that clubhouse that are going to take care of them. Santana's over there as well, um, so it's it's a great spot for them. I don't know where they're going to be headed uh, right now. I think they're are they still in Cincinnati because they they just they were was that the final game in Cincy yesterday? They beat the Rojos two nothing. Yeah, um, but yeah, that traveling and, and meeting up with the team. Hopefully, they go back to Pittsburgh and uh, he can get he can get a, a warm reception from you know as one of their own coming in, into this uh, situation rather than having to meet the team on the road, which, you know, can be difficult because you got, you got no idea what's a pack and how long you're oh, going to yeah. be gone. And it's, oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I feel, I feel for the kid right now. Um, you know, my first call up was to Pittsburgh and I was, yeah, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> oh man. Well, either <laughs> way, it's, it's 13 years. It's some, some of the good in baseball. So I'm happy for Drew. Hopefully it works out. 13 years Dude, it's a joke 13 years 13 years but it's interesting because paul you had we were both in norfolk and you had to ultimately you had to make a decision you were presented an opportunity to go back to your alma mater and become a coach and yeah. we'll admit we weren't having the best of times you know in in norfolk and triple a i think we were kind of both you know at the end of our at the end of our our rope as far mentally, yep. you know, doing it again. And at some point you have to be, you're preparing to do something else or you have to have, you know, there are some opportunities that may present itself to where you can, yep. you know, see like I've, I've, I've had an, I've had enough, I've done what I can do. And I know that was really difficult for you. Um, you know, is accepting that job in the middle of the season. I think we still had a month. I think we still had yep. a month to go when you, when you vacated and, um, you know, you have a family and I don't know what Drew's situation is, but either you just absolutely just love the game that much and you really see no way for upward mobility in a particular, in a particular system. So I think that's what, I think that's what's, uh, that's what's interesting to me because there have to be some decisions made at some point. Um, either your career is going to get extended or just how, you know, how much your true love for the game, but that, the love for the game only goes so far when you're talking mm-hmm. about 10, 12 hour bus rides, you know, playing these Friday day games and getting food that's recycled from, you know, yeah. from the concession stand. It, it wears on yeah. you. It's, you know, and we're talking about looking through a different lens at the end of our, at the end of our, what I'll call our usable shelf life for you and I at, the, at that time, like, you know, our bodies were starting to, they weren't working the way that they used to. We also were super fortunate and having the perspective of, having spent, you know, time in the big leagues for, you know, a long period of time over the course of, you know, 10 or 11 years or whatever. And this is just such a different dynamic, man. Like he's 33. He's not, I was 35 when I, when I got done playing. We were both, we were both 35. 
Yeah. So like, that's not that far off. However, the, the perspective, the lens that he's looking through is so much different. So it's really hard to, to grasp. Um, it's just, there's so many guys that play and do that kind of thing and play for a long time. Like you mentioned to Kevin Long that, that don't get to, to get called up, man. That's such a brutal business in, in some ways on that side of it. Like in, you know, it, it just goes back to why, I mean, it's super, it's a really, it's a huge honor, huge privilege to play in the major leagues, right? Like so many things have to go right and the stars have to align. And, you know, I don't, I'm just, it's, it's cool that this he's, it's going to be part of his story now. Right. And so, but yeah, it, it, you're right about making decisions towards the end of your career. Generally speaking, the game will make those decisions for you um, yep. and, and, and tell you when, when you don't get to grab a Jersey anymore. Um, but, Anyway, going back to it, happy for Drew. Yeah, happy for Drew. And um, I had one other – one other, but, oh, just – I mean, just keeping – staying in baseball, and maybe that is one of the things because if you see yeah. Corky Miller, who I hope we'll have on the show at one point, you know, he – We will he had, have on the show. He, we will have on the show. And, you know, big league career, played a, played a bunch of years in the big leagues, but him later in his career being in Louisville basically as a player coach, but that was all mm-hmm. part of a formula – to stay on yep. as a basically a player coach who is now in still in the red system um, yep. as a I think, catching. I think, I think Corky's the catching coordinator for the uh, player development for the minor league system. And there you go. You, you and I both think very highly of Corky. I used to joke when I was playing that everybody should have to play half a season with Corky Miller. It literally changes who you are as a baseball player. Um, and I'm, I, I still talk to Corky. I, I think he's great for the game. I think he's a, tremendous baseball man uh, you know I, I i believe that at some point down the road he's going to be a coach in the major leagues and uh it's it's i think that's probably hopefully a matter of, of time for him because i know that's something that he wants to do and i think he'd be good at it yeah absolutely and i hope the same you know and at the end of it all i hope that drew has the has that same that same opportunity to stay in the game and get back into the system because it's clear that he loves this game and being down in the minors and having that baseball experience that, that he is primed to go into some type of coaching or, or managerial sure. role. So, you know, all the best, but we'll be, we'll be looking out for, for, you know, the rest of that story and how that plays out. Um, but again, our, our hats off personally hats off to him yep. um, to get that opportunity. Uh, Cause I, again, you said the, the elation, not just the shock, but it is, it's such a, it's such an accomplishment um, to even be considered uh, to put on a major league uniform, to step foot in a major league clubhouse. Um, it, it really is amazing. So taking it at what at bare nuts and bolts, it's an, it's an amazing accomplishment. Yep. Yep. So, and I think that's it, Dickie. Is that all we got today? That is, I think we try to, you know, I think the world whirlwind of a weekend, um, you know, things, you know, remain the same Tampa's at top at the top. Uh, we do. I've, we at Tampa's at top, but I think the biggest surprise is again, is that Pittsburgh team, you know, adding those, adding those veterans that are still super productive um, in Carlos Santana and Kutch, their pitching staff was, was dynamite from, from what I saw uh, in Colorado this past weekend. So I hope they can continue that. Uh, like I said, when I was doing the interview of, of ballparks that I would want to hit a walk-off home run, I said Pittsburgh because that there's not a better place, a better backdrop, better park to with that backdrop to, to hit a walk off. So I have been hoping that they get back to, um, you know, uh, the, the promised land where that place is rocking on Friday and Saturday nights. Um, one, one thing we did not touch on on uh, Madison Bumgarner, Paul, hmm. 
what do you got? What do you got? Mad bum getting yeah. mad and then getting DFA'd. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not 100% sure what all transpired other than the fact that he was pitching against St. Louis. There was an inter, an interaction with Wilson Contreras. He's essentially yelling at Contreras, some obscenities of some sort. And the next day, man, quick trigger, DFA. So I, I, there's had to be more to the story. Like he's there had to be some some prior, you know, in, instances where he kind of got sideways with whether it was teammates or coaches or maybe the organization in general. But I I don't know, man. It's um you're talking about one of the best postseason pitchers ever. It's really unfortunate if 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 something like this was um, is the way that it ends for him, but. The, the actual instance, I'm not sure exactly if there's more to it, background with him and Contreras specifically. Um, it looked like he was, to your point, very mad about something. And, uh, you know, we'll have to look into it, I guess. But I'm curious to see because there was like – like I, it was a lot of money, like $35 million left on his deal that the, the Diamondbacks are going to forego. So they had to feel pretty strongly about – very strongly. And that's not a team that can afford to just let let money go like that. And to your yeah. point where you're talking about, you know, the potential prior uh, instances, this isn't something that just pops up and you're like, hey, he's been suspended for a couple games for uh, for behavior detrimental to team policy, which is a yep. a low key saying of, you know, he's just not something happened. You know, something happened. There was a particular one incident that happened where we're just going to, he's going to miss this start. This is DFA where you're just like, Hey, listen, we beat it. It has to be egregious. You know, the, the, in their eyes, it has to be egregious to, to forego the money. And I mean, he wasn't throwing well, Arizona's, you know, they got a young team, relatively speaking, they're playing well, man. I think they're in first place right now tied with the Dodgers. So like they're, they're playing well, but all that to say, it's, it's a pretty drastic move. Absolutely. So we'll, again, another story that we'll see unfold over the next week. And hopefully by the time we get back on here, either he's landed a job or, or, he, or he hasn't. So it'll be a very, a, a very curious case there. Um, but we're going to wrap this up today. Uh, this is Farm to the Show. Once again, go check us out on YouTube. Give us a like, subscribe. Um, you know, we'll be, we'll be back. Uh, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting couple weeks and hopefully we'll, we'll see what transpires this week. We'll be back on Paul as usual. Yep. It's been great. Dickie, keep it real, bro. Keep it real. Oh. We'll, 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 we'll circle back. Always. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.